call will be answered when the line is available. Welcome back into Gotta Take This. Crawford Humphreys, Cole Heisner here on WLUR Lexington. We have a great episode ahead. Of course, more March Madness action since last time we talked to you guys. And we're going to do a little bit of a, a different spin on our normal show. And we're just going to go off the dome. We're going to kind of live commentate uh, the USC-Gonzaga game that is unfolding before our eyes right now. Gonzaga is up 13, USC pulling it back just a little bit. The Pac-12 in danger of losing yet another team before the Final Four after having three of the Elite Eight teams with Oregon State, USC, and UCLA. Oregon State lost last night, USC on the ropes right now uh, with about four minutes till halftime, and UCLA will play the nightcap of tonight's schedule. But now that we're at a commercial break during this game, Cole, I mean, kind of a, a disappointing Last couple days of March Madness in terms of upsets, you know, with Baylor and Houston advancing to the Final Four, kind of feels like we're back to, you know, the the winners winning and the upsets are, are starting to balance out. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit more business as usual. You know, the teams that are expected to win, uh, you know, last night, obviously, teams that were expected to win, Baylor and Houston, the higher seeds, they did win against their lower-seeded Elite Eight opponents uh, moving on to the Final Four. It's definitely been... Um, you know, I think a lot of people, th- this was, you know, higher seeds moved on more often than almost any other tournament, if not any other tournament, I believe. Um, but I do think that people got a little bit, you know, with Illinois losing, with Ohio State losing, I think people started to think, like, this is, you know, going to be a real shakeup. And it, it's kind of turning out, you know, obviously, you know, there's still another late game tonight, and Gonzaga, you know, is far, this game is very, very far from over. Um, but it's just starting to look like four of the, you know, best teams in the country are going to make the Final Four. Um, which tends to happen every year, you know, but despite everything in the earlier rounds with COVID, everything that we discussed last episode, especially looks like it's going to be the best teams at the end. So, you know, going to be some good basketball. Yeah, definitely a shame for people that were rooting for the upsets. I know I was for certain uh, rooting for the the must bus in Arkansas last night, rooting for Oregon State. I think everyone's kind of rallied around the Pac-12 just because of how great of a story it is. And, you know, everyone hates the, the number one team, obviously Gonzaga, because um, they seem to be a, a perfectly built team with no weaknesses and, and just a perfect balance everywhere. Um, but man, it, it, it's 36 to 23 where we at where we're at in the game right now. Um, and it, it just it seems to me that the USC, they have not gotten anything going on the inside. And it's not that they haven't had solid shots. I mean, they've had wide open looks and everything's rimming out. And at some point, that is going to have to balance out. Yeah. And USC might be able to pull a, pull a comeback or at least get it to within 10 before the half. And we just saw a stat on the screen that USC has seven turnovers. Gonzaga has none. Um, you know, in a 13-point game in the first half, that's pretty much the difference. Yeah. You know, to USC's credit as well as, you know, that that's their fault for turning it over. But, you know, if they clean that up and they start to force a little bit, which... To be honest, I was expecting this game to be a little tighter than this. It looks like it is tightening up. What did it say? 8-0 run by USC? 9-0 run, maybe? Yes. Something like that in the last a minute or so. Um, so I think USC, I mean, the twin towers of the Mobley brothers, Evan Mobley, obviously is going to be one of the top picks in the draft. Um, you know, he's a big man, block shots, rebounds. He's skinny. He's going to put on weight in the NBA, which will be, you know, he's going to get really, really good, I think. But um, I don't know. Gonzaga just has so many scoring options. Yeah, I mean, just looking there, Kispert taking the shot. Of course it goes in. Yeah. Like, he doesn't miss. <laughs> it's insane. And, and one other non-March Madness thing I wanted to, to talk about really quickly uh, before it slips my mind. Did you see Evan Fournier's stat line last night? No, I didn't. 
First game with the Celtics, got a lot of hype because this was finally, Danny Ainge finally pulled the trigger. They, they lost, didn't they? They lost. He went 0 for 10 oh my goodness. from the field. Um, <sighs> miserable performance. And, of course, you know, it was not great. And Traitor Danny. I hate Danny. <laughs> Danny Ainge, once again, a disappointment. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I didn't know if you would see that. I, no, I, I didn't I, know. I saw 48 was, 48 was trending on Twitter last night, and I was like, let's go, he, you know. People are hyped about him. Danny yeah. Age finally got his guy, and zero for ten. That's against the Pelicans. The Pelicans, right? I also saw that Brandon Ingram uh, crossed up uh, Jason Tatum a little bit. He got worked. A little, he got worked. A little ugly to see. Yes. Um, he's only nineteen, though, bro. He's that's only true. Nineteen. Yeah. He's nineteen already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Gonzaga—they're such a, a well-oiled machine, and it's surprising to see a Gonzaga team that's made its way this far in the tournament without faltering like previous Gonzaga teams that always yeah. seem to succumb to high expectations. I feel like, I mean, this Gonzaga team, you know, this is a little bit of a lazy comparison, um, but they remind me a little bit of when Kevin Durant was on the Warriors. Yeah. In the sense of, like, they've got, like, you know, three guys at least who would be, you know, the top scorer on almost any team in the NBA. Um, so they're really, all like all their best players are free to have an off night. I know a couple games ago, I think against Oklahoma, Kispert um, specifically did not play very well. He was quiet, and at the end of the game, he made a couple huge threes. And it was you know if he was the top player, which you know he's an All American this year, um, second team I believe. They've got like three guys who are first or second team All Americans, and Timmy Suggs and Kispert. Um, you know if he's the best player on another team and he has a bad game, it's over. But on a team like Gonzaga, same way the Warriors were, you know, Clay Thompson can be quiet. Steph Curry can score, could score 15 points. Katie can score 18. It's no big deal. Um, this Gonzaga team, they've just got so many guys who the odds of them all having off nights is so low. Um, it's hard to see them losing, you know. It's funny because you can say that basically about every Kevin Durant team. I guess except <laughs> for the Baby Thunder were a little different since all those guys were so young and so inexperienced in the league. But. With the way the team is looking now. Of course, yeah. Blake Griffin starts playing good the minute he steps foot in Brooklyn. And dunking again, too. Right? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. crazy. Love that for him. Blake Griffin's a great guy. But yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's kind of obvious he was not giving uh, 100% effort in Detroit. Yeah, man. Gonzaga, they're just they're so patient on offense. You know, They really just they get their shots. Here's Mobley in the post, I think, right? Yeah, USC has, has seemed rushed all game. Um, and you're really seeing that in the the takes they're making down low. Timmy's so, Timmy's a great player. I I'm not the biggest fan of him. I don't like his facial hair, and he's a little <laughs> too cocky for my liking. Um, I also just they're just so good. It's hard to like them. Period. Um, that could also just be me as a salty UVA fan wishing that my team was in this position right now. Um, still <laughs> defending champs for the time being. I'm going to relish that for the next couple of days. But yeah. It's uh and and UVA's having trouble right now too because we just lost three guys in a week to the transfer portal. Really, everyone's leaving town. So wow. uh, like I was saying last episode, I think the transfer portal is going to be the new like that's going to be where the business gets done this all season in college basketball more than any other season. I think recruiting's one thing, but if you can pull these like second, third, even fourth year guys that are doing a fifth year since everyone has eligibility that makes such an immediate impact on your team compared to some, you know, high school kid that you're bringing into college ball for the first time. Yeah, to that point, I saw, I forget his name, but I saw that Kentucky picked up a former Davidson player, mm-hmm. uh, guard, who actually scored 2,000 career points at Davidson before I, so I don't know, I imagine he's maybe using his fifth year. 
Yeah. That's a good example. You know, a big school is picking up a mid-major guy who's proven in college. I mean, mm-hmm. he's like a 6'3", six, 6'4", six, guy. He can throw it down. He can shoot it just to score. Um, and the Kentucky people were pretty happy about that. That's exactly what we talked about. They're hoping someone like Coach Cal can recruit guys like that. Um, you know, not just these, you know, five-star 18-year-olds where, you know, you may or may not have to pay them, uh, you know, pay, pay them a little more attention in different ways. I thought you meant financially pay them, which I'm sure <laughs> in, in some, some cases is true as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't want to, I would never slander the NCAA. Um, our listeners know that. Um, <laughs> My favorite recruiting violation, or I guess like paying the player's story, was I guess one that, that came out while we were on break, over on Christmas break, but that McDonald's, or sorry, Tennessee was giving kids money in McDonald's bags. You see that Tennessee <laughs> football, and that's why their coach got fired. Yeah, yeah. Perfect cover up. Like, yeah. You know, you got all your recruits walking out of the walking out of the office with a, a bag of, of McNuggets. Uh, that's what people thought, and it was that's just awesome. McDonald's bags filled with cash <laughs> to try and get those kids to come. It's hilarious. I heard a I heard a hot take recently that part of the reason that kind of like politics has become like kind of crazy recently is because like ten years ago, you know, you know, people who like had some money. Um, they could just like use it to pay college athletes. And that was like, their like, you know, fun way to spend their money. But now that that's been like shut down pretty significantly, um, people like have, they can't pay, you know, kids. So they're like doing crazy stuff with politics. <laughs> they're funneling into politics. That's yeah. hilarious. That's actually, I, I, I get the, uh, the rationale behind that. That's hilarious. Yeah. I thought it kind of oh. made sense. I mean, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see the, uh, that leaked recording of the Vestavia coach from down in Alabama. Vestavia? What's Vestavia that? Vestavia is a, a private school in, oh. in Alabama. Huh. Um, strong football program, but they their coach. It was it was kind of like a it was just like an audio thing. It's kind of like someone just like set their phone down and was recording while mm-hmm. this guy just talked, and he blew the door open on like these donors for Bama and Georgia that are paying guys and all this stuff, and yeah. nothing really came out of it. People thought that because he's kind of also the guy that tries to keep himself in the spotlight and keep attention on him. And yeah. he's been known to kind of stretch the truth a little bit yeah. so that all the media flocks to him and he gets that kind of, you know, spotlight in front of the camera. But he was dropping, he was name dropping people, name dropping donors where they lived in wow. Alabama. It was, it was kind of crazy. It's dangerous. And, and nothing came out of it too. It was, you know, trending for about a day. And then yeah, Nick Saban and the, the deep state Nick Saban, they all <laughs> swept it under the rug. Yeah, that stuff. Yeah, I mean, even like that lawsuit with Zion, where he yes. you know, allegedly, well, he really kind of did. I mean, they they pretty much had him dead to rights, where he did sign on the dotted line to make this guy his manager, and it was mm-hmm. you know this guy came out and said Zion's getting these you know tens of millions of dollars of deals with Jordan Brand and you know whoever um, and Gatorade too. Maybe he's got to deal with and Zion's making a lot of money in endorsements, and this guy was signed to be the guy, but he's not really a legitimate business person. Um, yeah, and he was saying that Zion got what three hundred grand to go to Duke, and you know, I think the Nike lawyers got Zion out of that deal. I think you know, that's part of the reason you sign with a big, you know, uh, big companies who can help you out of stuff like that. You know, because really it's just a mistake Zion made. You know, the the manager got a little bit thrown under the bus because he did get Zion to sign, but it's, yeah. it was still a whole shady deal that shouldn't have really happened. Do you remember when the biggest news story was Zion's shoe blowing open and how, yeah. of course, there are the people like Darren Rovell on Twitter that thought that this was like the death of Nike yeah. and they were going to lose him as an endorsee that was and crazy. their sales were going to plummet and really nothing ever happened and yeah. he signed with Nike's with Jordan, I guess, which is like a subsidiary of, of Nike, but uh, that was <laughs> the amount of hot takes on 
social media and on TV about how Nike was about to just be undercut by everyone else because their shoe blew up on national TV. Yeah. God, that was one of the, the peak Twitter ever reactions. We're heading to halftime in this Gonzaga game. 49-30 to 30 is the score. We thought, or at least I thought, that, that maybe the run would continue and USC could pull this thing to within 10. But yeah. instead, Gonzaga bounced back and, and held, uh, held USC at bay. And, man, they've got an uphill battle. I, I don't see them going back from this. Yeah. So moving into halftime here, um, something that, you know, I've said before on the show that, you know, I'm, I'm not a sports gambler, but we just um, made the, <laughs> we, made, we made the executive decision that maybe we can admit, and I will say, you know, my, my name is Cole and I am a sports gambler. Um, so we, we're going to talk a little bit at halftime here just about the, you know, different, different avenues here to, you know, if you are a sports gambler, obviously the game will be over, but you'll kind of get to hear our takes in real time and see how correct we are and then you know, make, make your own call as to whether, you know, it's legitimate. Um, real quick, did you see this when this happened? The yeah, referee the referee out? passing out was, or collapsing. It was awful. Scary, yeah. scary. And yeah. I don't I haven't heard any updates since he got stretched off the court. I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, yeah nice move by Timmy. So anyways, um, basically coming into this game, you know, Gonzaga was a nine-point favorite. That was mainly, you know, Gonzaga has only lost a game by less than 10 points once this year. Literally every game has been double digits. So that was like a big, the market was really liking USC. Um, and, you know, kind of because they were blowing teams out on their way to this game. Um, I don't think they had really a close game at all leading up to this. Um, however, right now at halftime, that line is now like 20 points. It's, you know, shifted heavily towards Gonzaga. Um, blown open. Yeah. I mean, for anyone, you know, um, like me, who did take USC with the points, um, not looking very good right now. However, you know, I got to think that the Mobley brothers are going to give them trouble. I mean, I really did not think Drew Timmy was going to do as well as he's doing. I mean, he's got 15 points, um, really like dominating against like NBA bodies in there, which I mean, I don't, I don't even think he's really projected as a very high pick in the draft, if at all, necessarily. Um, and especially since he doesn't have a three-point shot, you know that's yeah. you know the, the the kind of big man that the NBA is looking for nowadays. Someone who can spread the floor, shoot the three if they absolutely have to, um, and and Timmy does not really fit that. Um, and when it comes to his perimeter shooting, yeah, I mean he's got great post moves. He's got great feel around the basket. But I mean, mm-hmm. even the, like Evan Mobley, for example, is 18 years old. He's you know skinny. He's a beanpole. You know he, <laughs> he's got he blocks shots and everything. He's going to be incredible. NBA player, but, you know, you stick him in against, I mean, you know, Mark Gasol, you know, um, Bam Adebayo, I mean, you know, Anthony Davis, guys like that, he, Timmy's not going to be able to do anything. Mm-hmm. That's actually an interesting, you know, just the, the translation of really good college players to the NBA. I think that's such a fascinating thing. It's so hard to predict sometimes. Exactly. Yeah, like Bam Adebayo. I mean, that in and of itself is, is yeah. a guy. And Jalen Brown for the Celtics. Yeah. A guy came out of Cal, Cal and... Uh, they're actually one of the, the largest producers of NBA players, I think. Callis. If I remember correctly, yeah. No kidding. Um, you know, D. Wade coming out of Marquette. It, it's so weird how guys fly under the radar just because of the school they go to. Yeah. And when you hit the NBA, it's where talent shines. And yeah. it's where kind of like your raw talent as opposed to the team around you and, and your teammates really shows up. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if any of these Gonzaga guys, because I can't remember the last time a Gonzaga player made an impact in the NBA. I know. You know. Suggs might be the first one in a long, long time. They had, I think their first one-and-done player ever was Zach Collins. I don't yes. remember him. Yeah, he's still in the league, but he's not really panned out. He was a lottery pick. 
Um, like by the, the Blazers, I want to say. Yes. But yeah, he was on that team that made it to the title game. He's more well known for dancing on the sidelines. Yeah. Yeah. yeah is yeah. that guy? Yeah. Exactly. About. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, Gonzaga, it is interesting. They're a factory of great college players and I don't even know who their best NBA player would be. I mean, John Stockton went there, but that's I didn't know that. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the old the, school. Yeah. That's, that's kind of crazy to think about. I'll look it up. Cause, it, cause then you're reaching like you know, Indiana State level, where your claim to fame is Larry Bird. You know, that's the level that Gonzaga is kind of hitting with with Stockton being their last truly great NBA player. Oh, Kelly Olynyk. Forgot about the Olynyk Clinic. Yeah, man, he was. I loved watching him on the Celtics, and then when he got to the Heat, I just like he just. I, I realized the novel the novelty of him completely wore off for me, and yeah. and why his, his his style of basketball was just so bad. It was so ugly. Yeah. Let's see. They also, I didn't know this actually, uh, DeMontis Sabonis went there. Oh, really? I think he was their first all-star since Stockton, maybe. Okay. produced by there, which okay. is just crazy. Also, Rui Hachimuri and Brandon Clark playing for the Grizzlies, another uh, first-round pick. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'm trying to see. Jeremy Pargo, yeah, John Stockton, David Stockton, I think his son or something. Yeah. Robert Sacre played for the Lakers for a while. Well, like four years. Um, yeah, interesting. I kind of can't think of other programs like this who, you know, just have been, become dominant factories. Although it really does seem like Gonzaga is, um, with Suggs coming this year, he will most likely be a top five pick. Um, I know they also got, I think, like the number three guard in the country to come in next year. He's uh, like a five-star, you know, McDonald's All-American type guy, which again is rare for them. I think Suggs was really their first real guy to do that. Um, and they're also still in the mix for Chet Holmgren, which is obviously kind of the big prize right now in the recruiting world. Um, who, I mean, I think is going to be incredible if he can stay healthy. I just, you feel like you never see people like that. It reminds me a little bit of like Bowl Bowl coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he's just like, you know, seven feet tall, like a, f- just freak of nature. And so, you know, gifted with the basketball, not just an athletic marvel. Um, so that, that'll be very interesting, you know, versus, I mean, it is weird with the non-NBA guys versus even like USC, you think of like, I don't know, OJ Mayo, um, maybe that's all I can think of right now from, yeah. from USC. But they definitely have more guys that are, you know, uh, for, for a while longer. So have you been, uh, following any of the, uh, NFL pro days? I've been sorry to, to just switch gears really quickly. I have, I have. Did you see Mac Jones today? He didn't look great. He didn't look good. Yeah. Zach Wilson, on the other hand, looked like a baller. He's going to be so good. Yeah. I think he's incredible. And I feel bad for him because he's probably going to go to a team that's not great. We go line. I mean, take your pick. Jets are up there. I think one of the top candidates for him. Although I wouldn't be surprised if their front office somehow makes a mess of things and takes like an offensive tackle or something like that and just makes their problems worse. Um, do we want to talk draft for a second? Let's talk. We can. I just, I was, I was just scrolling and I saw the the video of all of Max overthrows from his pro day, and of yeah. course, all the comparisons between him and Justin Fields since Ohio State's pro day was say as well. Right. But I think Mac Mac Jones, in my opinion, is going to follow the long line of Alabama QBs that have been carried by a incredible receiver core, an incredible running back core and really aren't as good just because of the weapons around them. You yeah. Know? It's, I, I don't know how, he, he's kind of, you know, you got these other people that are treading water, and he's in the pool with, like, his floaties on, you yeah. know, and his floaties are, you know, Devontae Smith and, like, Najee Harris, and, you yeah. know, the list goes on. Jim Waddle. Yeah. yeah it, it's crazy. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's I think that's interesting. It's also, I mean, I think the top four quarterbacks this year are so good. Um, like, you know, a few years ago, like, you can get talked into Mitchell Trubisky at number two overall. Or maybe, you know, you can't, but the Chicago Bears definitely could have. Uh, one um, of the most gullible franchises yeah, in the world. You think, like, you know, if... Um, if uh, Mac Jones had been in that draft, I mean, he's like Trubisky in that he's kind of got like one season of production, but he's national champion, like mm-hmm. so much better coming out. So, but you've got, I mean, the three guys above him, Trevor Lawrence has been the number one overall pick in this draft for the last like three years, like no exactly. matter what happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, Justin Fields was, you know, number one recruit in the country. He just ran 4-4-3 or 4-4-4 today. That's impressive. Incredible. I didn't thought of him as more of a pocket passer. I mean, he plays like that. But and especially with the, the injury he had in the right. uh, in the playoff. What yeah. Was it like his rib, ribs or something yeah. like that? Yeah. 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 And then, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a big buyer on Trey Lance. I don't know what you think about him. Really? But I think he's going to be really good. I think he makes good decisions. I think athletically he's incredible. I know I saw something they like. Um, we're able to GPS track him like they do in the NFL where you see uh-huh. like the fastest runs in the league. Um, and he had like three or four runs um, that would wow. have been the three or four fastest by quarterbacks in the league ahead of Lamar Jackson or, you know, that famous Daniel Jones breakaway run where he trips and falls at the end. Um, <laughs> so Danny Dimes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think Mac Jones, I think he'll be okay. Um you know, but I think in another year, I think he would be in the conversation for maybe even the number one overall pick, just because teams are always so quarterback hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, you get, you get a young quarterback, you get him on that you know four year window where you're paying him nothing compared to what he's worth. You can yeah. spend everything else on other things. That's how teams like you know the um, uh, the Rams recently when they made the Super Bowl with Goff on the rookie deal, they threw money at everyone else and built the roster. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how far uh, Devontae Smith falls. I think that because so it's weird how many mock drafts have him late first round, if that. And I don't know if it's because of his size, but they're you know other receivers have even come out and said I was that size at that age. Like it's gonna you know he'll he'll bulk up over time. But Heisman Trophy winner falling late first round just doesn't seem doesn't seem right. I saw. Do you do, you do the Ringer mock drafts? Do you ever look at those? Mm-hmm. Okay. I those. I, yeah, the most recent one had him at like 20 to the Bears or 21 to the Bears. What a steal. I don't imagine having that kind of talent. And who is their QB now? It's uh, it's um, Andy Dalton throwing. Right. <laughs> imagine being Devontae Smith and oh. now having to catch passes from Andy Dalton. I was going to say yeah. Mitch Trubisky, the MVP, but where, he's where gone. Where did he sign with the Bills? Yes, right. he's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Josh Allen's going to lose his job to the to the, uh, the MVP. Yeah, yeah, the Nickelodeon. Yeah, that's that's going to be trouble. Devontae Smith is an interesting case. I mean, like, literally probably the best college football receiver of all time. I mean, yeah, I don't think that's, yeah, that's not even a hot take, honestly. Yeah. I think there is a, a strong majority of people that would agree with him. Yeah, I mean, like, catching the game-winning pass in the national title game as a freshman I mean, just having incredible year after incredible year. Then as a senior, like, probably the best season ever. I mean, like, and then the national, you win the national championship again. Um, we've talked about this before, but it's so rare for, like, players to win two national titles in their careers as key contributing players. It's just, I mean, Bama guys, it's happened, like, once before. Um, but, I mean, like, yeah, catching, I don't know, just having two incredible national title games where you win is so rare. Uh, plus the Heisman Trophy for receiver, which hasn't been done since what mm-hmm. uh, Charles Woodson, maybe I think. I would need to, to check. I have no idea. Yeah, or maybe Tim Brown at Ohio State. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's hard to come by. But long time ago, this was insane. Yeah, I think it, the the draft will be really interesting, and I'm. <laughs> it, it's I think it's going to be interesting to see which teams just 
like completely slip up with their first round pick. Yeah. I'm worried that some of these franchises are so incompetent that they won't see the talent in Zach Wilson. Like as much as people praise Zach Wilson, would not be. I mean, their mock draft of the Jets picking an offensive tackle or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised if they do something like that. Some of these teams, like the Jets, are so prideful and have so much pride and like are so like want to show everyone how bought in they are to Sam Darnold that they aren't going to draft a QB. I yeah. think it's a mistake. I think it's a really big mistake. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see. And also the, the 49ers trading up. Yeah. After saying, say, after yeah. saying that Jimmy G is their QB, which was a total, I guarantee it's a total lie. Yeah. No way that's true. No way you'd trade up that high to not draft a quarterback, I especially know. in this draft. Yeah. I also, yeah, on that, on that trade, I think what the Dolphins did was very interesting, moving from three to 12, then back to six. Mm-hmm. Um, been hearing a lot of people who are big into analytics, which I know I always talk about that, but the analytical crowd always says you should never trade up in the first round unless it's for a quarterback mm-hmm. because you always have to give up too much to move up. Yes. Um, you know, there's like the big, um, table with draft value that like uh-huh. someone like Bill Parcells came up with that every yeah. team has and everyone kind of knows what each pick is worth. Mm-hmm. Um, to move up, you have to give up more than the pick is worth just because yes. teams in the first round teams won't, you know, yeah. um, they won't do it otherwise. So you really need to be doing it for a quarterback, which makes that 49ers move very interesting. And mm-hmm. also the Dolphins moving back up to six because, you know, they gave up like a, I think a future first rounder to go from 12 to six. Um, I don't know. What is their, I guess they have two, right? Two is kind of their quarterback yeah. for right now. But they, I mean, they drafted him what? Fourth, fifth overall last year. Yeah, and they lost lost Fitzmagic, who was kind of their go to guy <laughs> when Tua wasn't playing well. Now he's in in DC with the football team, and we'll see how well that goes. Um, especially since they're they're they have the weirdest quarterback room right now with Taylor Heineke, the ODU kid, right? Who who showed out in the playoffs? Yeah, kind of, kind yeah. yeah. It was against I guess it was against the Buccaneers, so yeah. showing out as you know as much as you can against. The, the Tom Brady Buccaneers team and Fitzmagic. Yeah. And I guess uh, Dwayne Haskins is gone. That that right. that ship has sailed. But Alex uh, Smith also gone? Yeah. that The fact that they gave up on him so fast is kind of sad, kind of heartbreaking, honestly. Yeah. Like, what did you expect? Did you expect him to come out and be like a, a Cam Newton-style mobile quarterback? No. He's going to be a pocket passer on right. a team that has a terrible offensive line. Right. I don't know what more they could have expected from him. Yeah. Given that he almost had his leg amputated a year before, <laughs> yeah. Like, what what do you expect? I don't I don't know. That 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 was kind of frustrating for me. Yeah, I mean, I get you know he played well. I don't know if they were expecting to really be in the you know division title contention. Um, they've got an incredible defense, and you know this offseason adding you know to Terry McLaughlin. Um, who who did they add? I'm trying to remember. Um, uh, one of the bigger names, well, not Will Fuller. Um, I'll remember in a second, but they're they're loading up on receiver, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because they recognize that like they've got the defense, and that's huge. Mm-hmm. And you know, if they can just get a quarterback and some like Fitzmagic is a guy who you get good receivers, he's gonna yeah. chuck it to him. Yeah, exactly. Like he's gonna throw like yeah. maybe twenty interceptions on the year, but he's gonna get you like thirty touchdowns still. Yeah, um, exactly. He's gonna get you some points, and if your defense is good, the turnovers aren't as bad. Uh-huh. So I, I get the moves, but it's still kind of a sad. I hope Alex Smith gets picked up somewhere. And I hope so. Yeah, that'd be a, a terrible way to go out for him. Yeah, you know, or at least the 49ers re-signing him and he retires that way or something yeah. like that. I don't know, some cool way for him to for him to go out. And, and speaking of NFL, did you see the video that Michael Strahan posted today? No. Where he got new teeth, he got rid of the the gap, really his front teeth. Yeah, people think it's going to be an April Fool's joke, but. Oh. 
it's this him and it's like this professional style video that looked like it was made by the like dental surgeon or whoever's doing it. Wow. And at the end it's just him like smiling. It's it's kind of weird. Honestly, it's kind of it's kind of weird to look at. Kind of, it's never seen anything like it before. Yeah, I, I gotta take. You know, get so Whoa. used to. What? It's crazy. That is very strange looking. For the listeners, take a look at this. I mean, Michael Strahan teeth is, I think, the first, <laughs> the first result for him today. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah, geez, is is tomorrow April Fools or? Uh, Let me see. Thursday. We're recording this on Tuesday, March thirty. There's Thursday is April Fools. Okay, so it could have been. Because okay. Volkswagen already did that. I don't know if you heard about that. Oh, what are they doing? They said their name was going to be like Volkswagen because they're going all electric or something like oh. that. And people flipped out. They're like, what's this? What yeah. does this mean? Um, all over the place. You got any April Fool's ideas? You got anything you're going to pull? Yeah, I think um, like for the radish, what I'm going to try and do uh-huh. is I'm going to make uh, the radishes are uh, Campus Humor Magazine here. Um, not to be confused with the onion. Not to be confused. Another separate vegetable. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that is also the name of a, a satirical magazine. Yeah, they stole our wave. Not just kidding. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking about doing a uh, making a Patreon for us, um, and just making the tiers of like what you get for each thing, just the most <laughs> insane stuff. Like, like you know, uh, if we get to like a thousand dollars a month, you know, you get to talk to me for six hours about you know uh, some conspiracy theory or something that I come up with. Um, yeah, so we'll probably post that and say that now we're moving like behind a paywall. Um, just think would be kind of funny. I don't know. It'd be fun to make. I hope like doesn't mess with my credit card or something. <laughs> Patreon is one of those things I've never understood because yeah. especially like for the people on YouTube that do it, I get that you're trying to make some sort of revenue outside of you know monetizing your videos through ads. Right. But when it's on YouTube, it's already free, and I don't think people are going to pay more <coughs> for more content. When it's something like, like YouTube already has everything under the sun. You know, yeah. if you're doing like, say like reviews on something and you want to, you know, exclusive videos, there's another channel that's reviewing the exact right. same. You know, it's, you get to a point where like your service that you're providing and your content is not really that like select. It's not that limited. Yeah. I've never really understood it. I think if you're going to make a Patreon, you shouldn't publish any content period until people buy in. Yeah. I think that's, you know, so that people don't have, I don't know, you're just giving out stuff for free and no one... Once it once it isn't free, people aren't going to want to do it anymore. You no, know, it I, just it seems kind of like a flawed business strategy. I don't know how else to describe it. But. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It feels like I mean, there's like the very tip top of Patreon, and everyone else is kind of wasting their time. Yeah, like exactly. The, the only people who make sense for are people with devoted followings, um, exactly. like us, for example. And you know, they're just going to say, "Hey, we've got extra stuff. If you want to give us five bucks a month, you get a little extra." Every exactly. Month. You have to have a really dedicated following, otherwise, yeah. it's really not worth it. Yeah, like podcasts yeah. should be free. Yeah, like video if, should yeah, be free. If you're providing something that everyone else is already doing for yeah. free, no one's going to want to pay for it. You got to be really good at it and like unique. Like where... exactly, you got to have like your own niche in YouTube, which is hard to come by these days because yeah, it feels like everything has been put out there at this point. Yeah. But we're we're back in the uh, the second half of this Gonzaga USC game. It is forty nine to thirty two, and well spoke too soon. It's out fifty two to thirty two, <laughs> a uh, twenty point lead for the Zags. I am uh, logging into DraftKings now to see if I can hedge myself a little bit. Just a, a tough two day stretch here for the uh, for the Pac twelve, who is in danger of losing now two of their three teams. UCLA is going to have to pull out the upset against Michigan if the Pac-12 wants to put a team into the uh, Final Four. 
And at one point, it was looking like Bill Walton's prediction that everyone laughed at was uh, going to be true. Could be true with four team, four uh, Pac-12 teams in the Final Four. Yeah, it could have been, but uh, alas, the Pac-12 has kind of come back to come back to earth recently. And you know, to their credit, they've hit some of the hardest teams in, in the country, and especially in this tournament. It has not been an easy road for any of these teams, especially UCLA and, and USC. Yeah. Yeah, so just to, to expose myself here a little bit, I'm just for a full full disclosure. Um, ooh, nice dunk. Um, Is that Timmy? He did the celebration again. I hate that. That makes me so <laughs> mad where he, like, rubs his mustache. I yeah. hate that. Yeah, God. so I'm, I'm currently, before the game, I got in USC plus nine. However, right now, it's a 20-point game, and the line was only 19.5 for Gonzaga, basically saying, like, it's going to hold steady. Um, or, you know, the USC is going to win the game from here on out. Um, so I, I, I took Gonzaga, you know, plus 20 points. I think um, they're really good. And while I still, you know, on paper really think that USC is a team who could give them trouble, they're just, I'm not seeing it. Um, we just saw Kispert make a shot. We just saw, you know, Timmy get a dunk wide open. And there's another dunk by, I think, Nebhard. Um, I mean, Gonzaga's rolling. This looks like it couldn't end up being a 30-point game, potentially. So maybe I'll get a little bit of that money back. This this could be a blowout. And USC did not make the halftime adjustments that I thought they would. Um, it's just, this seems even worse than they were playing in the first half, honestly. At least this this little stretch right here. Yeah. Very reminiscent of the the run Gonzaga went on early in this game to jump out to that huge lead. I'm already starting to just look at the US or UCLA, Michigan. Same at yeah. this point. What this, are you what are you thinking about that game? Man, you know, for the as someone who's kind of hopped into the uh the Pac twelve bandwagon now that my Wahoos are out and the ACC is uh, you know, just crumbling before my eyes. Um I wanna I would love to see UCLA win. I would also love to see an upset since we've gone I guess three straight games now without a, without an upset. Yeah, I don't want it to be a, a one two one one seed final four. Yeah, I just don't think that's fun. I don't think that's enjoyable. You got to have like a couple dark horses in there. Yeah, you know, I thought the year UVA won it all was cool because it was Texas Tech, who no one really expected. Right. Um, Auburn, Michigan State, Michigan State. Yeah. yeah, it was it was kind of a hodgepodge of teams, and that made it fun. It made it enjoyable. You know, no one really knew what to expect. Right. Um, and it, it made it, you know, fun for the viewers especially. I don't know. I'd love to see a shake-up. I also love Juwan Howard. Love the Fab Five. I'm conflicted. Right. But at the end of the day, upsets are fun for everyone. Yeah. Unless you're a Michigan fan. Yeah. I did. I bet on Michigan to win the game. Uh, I got them uh, minus seven, which, you know, um, for everyone at home, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, know about betting odds. But essentially... If you have a team, you know, say minus seven, it means you take their final score, subtract seven points from it, and that's the score you compare to the other team. Uh-huh. Um, vice versa, if a team is say, you know, uh, USC plus nine, you take their score, add nine points. Um, so if a team has a plus and a number next to it, it means that they're the underdog. Um, and then the money line. I know I had to explain this to so many people don't know about this. I didn't realize that. Really. Yeah, a lot of my friends have no idea. I mean, people like will be talking like, "Hey, you want to bet five dollars on this game?" And they just go, "Yeah, sure." I'm like, well, what are the odds? You got to take some odds on this, otherwise you're crazy. Um, and that's the spread. The money line means, you know, if a team has a minus, let's say minus 400 um, next to their name, that means that to win $100, you would have to risk $400. So kind of like a, what is that, five to one, four to one odds. Um, and like why that would mean that a team is the favorite. If, you know, a team is, say, plus 250, that means if you risk $100, you will make $250. 
So it's all based on a hundred dollar winnings or um, hundred dollar bet. Um, so that's I hope I explained that clearly because I've explained to so many people recently, especially everyone's getting these apps now that uh, sports gambling is legal in Virginia. Uh huh. And it's it's a lot different than I guess like what you said. You want to bet five bucks on this game. It's different than you and your buddy. You know, wagering five bucks on who wins, and you know, whoever wins gets five dollars from the other person. It's not that kind of, you know, it's kind of like the conception, I guess, that that some people have. That's kind of like what gambling is in some people's minds. Just you and your buddy, right? You know, they win, I get ten bucks. You win, I'll give you ten bucks. Yeah, um, that sort of thing. The reality is, though, it's it's not a coin flip like that. Yeah, I mean, exactly. There's, there's you know, multi multi billion dollar industry, you know, set up in Vegas and elsewhere. Now in Virginia, I guess too. You know, yeah, so, it's crazy. You even see, you know, all the Barstool people now, almost all their content is gambling focused. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I guess part of my dig is the one thing that's kind of remained yeah. out of that. A big cat does his, does his own stuff on the side. Yeah. Um, but even like gambling. Bull- and ESPN's gotten into it too. They, yeah. You know, with the television shows. If and- you, yeah, there's some, I guess it's not on the main ESPN network, but if you watch shows on like ESPN2 and ESPN News, they have shows entirely dedicated to gambling. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you'll have like your mini screen with the talking head anchor and then all around him is just like lines and it's like constantly changing. Right. Kind of like, you know, the draft center, the, the thing they do during the NFL draft. Right. You know what I'm talking about where yeah. it's like, you know, oh, they'll have the, the big board, Mel Kuyper's big board, the next three picks up, who's on the clock. You know, it's all those graphics. It's kind of the same sort of thing. But um, it is, it feels like it's going to blow up just as more and more states, you know, legalize it. Um, I know in Massachusetts, my dad lives in Massachusetts. That's where I stayed uh, this summer over quarantine. Mm-hmm. They actually just opened, like the first time ever, I want to say, a casino in Boston. Wow. Yeah, I think it's like the it's like a Win Properties thing. Um, wow. It's huge. I mean, it stands out. Like you yeah, see it. I'm sure. And I think I think they just got their sports book, but it used to be you know no, no sports book. But I mean. You know, I, I've never been to a sports book, but it sounds pretty fun where you mm-hmm. just go and sit and like, yeah, maybe have a beer, some wings and like just there's a billion televisions <laughs> yeah. and you're just throwing money around. Like, uh-huh. I mean, that, that sounds like a dangerous place to be for, uh, for sure. us and maybe some people that we're friends with. For sure. <laughs> well, USC is trying to pull this thing back. I guess you got two shots that we'll pull it back to after this, the first, so we'll pull it back to a, uh, a 20 point game. I mean, they are in serious, serious danger right now letting this thing become a blowout. At some point, you know, your strategy changes from winning the game to just making it a, re- a respectable loss. And I think USC needs to pull that strategy out at some point. Yeah, seriously, this is a this would be, um, if this continues, a great win for Gonzaga. I think a lot of people thought that um, USC was going to be a threat to them. You know, as we mentioned with the gambling lines and just people talking about USC killing and, teams. And just Ken Palm, too. I mean, yeah. that, that sort of, you know, but USC was ranked very high and, one of the most statistically reliable um, basketball rankings in the country. A guy, Ken Pomeroy, who has, you know, he, he called the EVA win in 2019. He's yeah. predicted many, many big upsets before through his formulas and, and stats. And, um, you know, we bought into that with UConn. That obviously didn't flare out uh, yeah. like we thought it would. But USC, I mean, they made it farther than people thought they would, for being Definitely. honest. Yeah. You know, same with Oregon State. Yeah, Oregon State. What a run for that. Predicted Finished last in the uh, Pac-12, yeah. the title uh, for the for the conference, and made it all the way to the Elite Eight. That's that's a big season. That's a, that's huge. Yeah, that's going to be a program-defining season for them going forward. Just you know, proof that they're a legit team. Um, their coach, I think his last name's uh, Tinkle. I want to say uh, sounds correct. Yeah, something a little silly, but he's he's been a great coach. Uh-huh. Um, 
And yeah, that'll be interesting to see them build on it. You know, you look at like Loyal Chicago's built on it. Um, even like Butler, you know, made the final four, or made the championship game and then went back the next year. Like they can, you know, kind of start to get bigger name recruits. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga obviously is like a big example of that happening in the long term. But, you know, excited. I like the Oregon State team. You know, they were kind of fun to watch. Obviously, you know, wasn't expecting them to win. They busted a couple brackets for me. Um, and I definitely, you know, bet against them a couple times thinking, oh, they're just 12 yeah. seed who got lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people thought they were the worst team in the whole tournament because they only got in really because, you know, they won the Pac-12, which they were mm-hmm. not expected to do at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'll be rooting for them a little bit going forward. like that team a lot. Definitely be interesting to see. And uh, here we yeah, go. Evan Mobley in the post <laughs> against Kispert. Nice move. He is Where long. earlier? I just don't understand how, you know, that's not their go-to every single time. And he had some. He had some bad rim outs in the first half. I mean, some unlucky yeah. bounces. So many, like the bench was already standing up ready to celebrate and the ball would, would fall off the rim. Yeah, it looks like USC, they've been playing a zone like they have yeah. most of the tournament, which is interesting. A lot of zone teams have been very successful. Syracuse was a big one. Yeah. The Bayheim well, zone, is the 2-3 zone that he runs is incredible. Even Oregon State, I mean, that's really how they took out, you know, Loyola Chicago was playing that 2-3 zone and... You know, Loyola Chicago's offense seemed to be so good against the man, you know, getting um, um, Krutwig in the kind of, like, dribble handoffs, like we yeah. talked about, kind of that uh-huh. Nikola Jokic role, um, and then just having him roll to the rim and he can finish. He's got great moves, you know. Yeah, exactly. Quick moves. But in a 2-3 zone, they couldn't get that action going. Uh-huh. So it, it's interesting. I mean, kind of a testament to Gonzaga that they're just tearing apart the zone. Exactly. Like, I mean. No, I agree. If anything, you, you've seen what problems that's given teams, and. That's just not been a problem so far for Gonzaga. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's just... They're, they're, so, they're so well-rounded. Like you said, very very reminiscent of Katie's Warrior, Warriors team, Katie's yeah. Nets team. Yeah. Very, very similar to that. Yeah. Um, just so patient on offense, too. I mean, they how, never look out of control. How many of these guys do you think are going to actually pan out in the NBA, though? We already talked about how Timmy probably... I mean, Kispert, maybe... Very kind of like Joe Harris, just the spot yeah, shooter. Exactly. People love that kind of position, especially in today's game. Suggs, I'm sure, will be great. Yeah. Um, but but Timmy and Kispert probably have the, the biggest question marks hanging over them as to whether there is true NBA potential in them. Yeah, I do think Kispert will be good. Um, similar to Joe Harris, he's a guy who's like six foot seven, so he's not like one of these players who's, like, an incredible shooter in college, but he's only, like, he's undersized. Yeah. Then he becomes a huge defensive liability. Yeah. I mean, you know, frankly, that was even a concern with Steph Curry coming out of school. Everyone knew he was an incredible shooter, and he went, you know, what, seventh overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was small yes. for a point guard. Um, so, you know, that's always a concern. But Kispert, that's six seven. he's big. You know, he's a senior. I actually, um, was it you who was telling me, or maybe it was Basil was telling me um, about – Big men and shooters, it's not as big a deal if they stay in college for all four years mm-hmm. in pro scouts' minds. Because, like, slashers, scorers, it's like you need to be, like, a really good scorer at 18 years old against, you know, and then move to the NBA and keep getting uh-huh. better. But for big men, you need to be, like, a system player. You need to anchor the defense. You need to set yeah, screens. Exactly. Which, it does, if you know, you need four years to get good at that, mm-hmm. you're still going to be good at it. Yeah. And shooters, likewise, you're, you're a cog in the offense versus the feature uh-huh. of it. Um, yeah, that's that's very true. I think that's interesting thinking about a guy like Kispert. You know, he's got mm-hmm. size. He's an incredible shooter. I think he's like what 50, 40, 90 guy. Yeah, like a plus. It's um, it's insane. Yeah, and he's proven that he can fit into a really good team. Which you know, 
Um, whatever NBA team he plays yeah. on would be better than this Gonzaga team, obviously. Um, he's just not a guy who can center everything around. Right. He's definitely a, yeah, like you said, like a cog in the machine. He's a he's a side piece rather yeah. than a, a main guy. I think Joe Harris is a great comp for him. Just yeah. incredible shooter, you know, with some size. Not not an incredible defender, but he'll be able to really focus on that instead of like ball handling or shooting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it took Joe Harris some time to, to catch on in the NBA. Yeah. Because he was drafted by LeBron's Cleveland team, rode the bench there. I think went to the G League or something. He bounced around for a little bit, or was just getting picked off, picked up off waivers, and you know, kind of, kind of bench riding around the league, and then finally came into his own, found a spot in Brooklyn, and he came into that Brooklyn team that I guess was led by uh, D'Angelo Russell, and uh, you know that that team yeah. that was kind of, I love the chemistry because it was yeah. it, there was no I guess real true star power on that team. It was just guys that were undervalued or overlooked. Um, you know, guys, I'm trying to think of, of some names. Spencer Dinwiddie. Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert. Jared yeah, Allen. Exactly. Yeah. So many guys that had been, you know, kind of kind of overlooked by the rest of the NBA. They put together a heck of a run. Yeah. I just love the chemistry. It was it was so cool. The, the Nets bench. Yeah. Incredible. Awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. I, I was so sad when they let go of, of D'Angelo Russell. Jared, he, Jared Dudley on the bench. Too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I wish they had kept D'Angelo Russell around instead of Kyrie, honestly. I think he was such a better fit. And, yeah. like, it was also great because this was kind of his, like, his comeback trial um, while, uh, or sorry, his comeback time while uh, after his, his stint with the Lakers when Magic told him that he wasn't a good, said he wasn't a good leader. Yeah. He had all the locker room drama with Nick Young, right. which I guess, you know, you, you he kind of deserved <laughs> some of the criticism he got for that. But at the same time, this was after he had been kicked out of L.A., one of the most successful NBA franchises. Magic Johnson, one of the greatest players in the NBA of all time, is telling you that you aren't a leader. Yeah. And he came to Brooklyn and, and led that team to the playoffs with really no one around him. Yeah. That was really cool to see. And now it kind of sad to see him bouncing around in, like, Minnesota where he's got injuries and stuff like that. I don't know. I just wish – I think he deserved better. I wish they kept him around. Right. It's interesting for Nets fans, too. I know I talked to Sam, who's from New Jersey, and, you know, says he's a Nets fan. And he was like, you know – I really love that team, exactly what we were just talking about. And it's weird now with just all new guys, and it's like a super team now. Yeah. It's like, you know, he, he he was just talking about, like, I don't know. There was a real love for that team among, you know, Nets fans. And now it's kind of like it's neat that they have all these, like, all-stars. And it's one of the best teams in recent memory, you know, on their roster. Probably one of the best, like, 2K teams all time, if that's a metric yeah. you want to use. Yeah, 100%. Um, but it's just not that same like affinity for the area and affinity for the fans. They didn't see them rise up. Guys just feels, came in. Feels kind of temporary, honestly. Yeah, it's just guys that have bounced around so much, and when you're stars, I mean, you control the power. Yeah, you know, and like it, they could get up and leave like that. Absolutely. You know, they the, the organization doesn't have much rain on on star guys like that. But I, I agree with Sam. Honestly, there was that team was just so cool. Yeah, and they would go to like the. The G League games for the uh, for the Nets affiliate and mm. sit courtside and just lose their minds. It was so cool. That's cool. There's so many cool videos of them, but uh, yeah, that that chemistry was unmatched. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It'll be interesting to see if they rattle off you know one or two titles. Um, that'll yeah, that'll make Nets fans happy. That might yeah. <laughs> that it, might cover for it. It could be similar. I mean, obviously the Warriors had Steph Curry, who was you know homegrown, and you know the Nets kind of don't have any of their homegrown guys anymore. Yeah. Um, and Clay Thompson, Draymond were homegrown guys, but I don't know. It'll be different. But you know, people talk about that Warriors, the fan base just changing 
um, mm-hmm. as tickets got so expensive, and a lot of the people who were really riding with them since like the Baron left Davis. Oakland too. Yeah, you know, they they left their home, and they're they're really loyal fan base. Very similar to the the Oakland Raiders leaving as well. Yeah, you know you have two very dedicated fan base. Oakland loves sports. Yeah, you know that's a very dedicated fan base, and they had both their teams just pack up and leave the minute that they got semi successful, or you know yeah. the money started coming in. Yeah, it's yeah, it'd be interesting to see. This feels like more extreme than the the Warriors getting good, but you know, I don't know. And obviously, they did move, I guess, to Brooklyn, which is you know cool to be in Brooklyn. Um, that was back when like Jay Z was the part owner. Right? Yeah, I guess he's not. He sold all of his shares. Right? Yeah. yeah, he's not involved. But yeah, that was. I remember when they first did that. Jay Z was rapping about it, and that was a big deal. Yeah. But, but speaking of the Nets, I, I've been seeing this online. Um, and of course, you know, the talking heads on ESPN and so on and so forth have been discussing it as well. But do you think we can embrace debate, embrace debate a little bit here? Do you think that LeBron beating this Nets team, guess with just Anthony Davis, makes him the greatest player of all time? Because he will have defeated the Warriors and then he will have defeated this Nets team with Kyrie and Katie and James Harden with just Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah, because I say just Anthony Davis because you know Schroeder's good. You, he has good guys around him, but no one besides AD is on the level of Harden and KD and Kyrie. I think we can agree on that. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I mean, I think there's already an argument to be made that LeBron has had the best career in NBA history. Um, really, even over MJ, you think so? I would, I would just say like best career in terms of like most accomplished. You yeah, know, with. I don't know. What's he up to now? Four titles? Yeah, MJ's at, MJ went 6-0. and that's, that's where I see it as an incredible career. And he like, took time off and came back and then won again. You know, I, yeah. That's just the, the way I see it is like the career is marked by championships. Yeah. And if you don't win a championship, you're known as the guy who didn't win a ring or the best player to ever win a ring. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's what defines you. You know, you can't be a great, considered like a truly like all-time great NBA player without that. Yeah, that that's true. I mean, I'm just thinking of like the span of the career of LeBron coming in in 2003. Mm-hmm. You know, like the NBA was so different back then. Yeah, and he's gone through like the evolution. Like, you know, the Celtics big three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's gone through the evolution. You know, the super team and you know Golden State. We just talked about. So, I think you could say greatest career in the sense of like I would say you know Jack Nicholas has had had the greatest career in golf. But I would say that Tiger Woods is the greatest golfer of all time because I think that, like, peak Tiger was better than anyone else. He would crush anyone else. Yes. The same way, like, peak MJ for me um, is the best basketball. He's better than everyone, I think. You know, LeBron just, the length of his career is getting to be, like, incredible, you know? That's fair. I get what you're saying. Okay. And, like, if he ends up up with the all-time scoring record, he's going to be, like, top 10 assists. Like, yeah. That's where it's like great, best career ever, second greatest player ever. Um, you know, maybe third behind Larry Bird. Um, but that could be personal, personal bias as a Celtics fan. You know, I I think it's I think a lot of it is based off of, at least in my the way I view things, especially with the NBA, titles play a huge factor in that for me. Yeah, and I kind of discount people to a you know almost to a fault that haven't won a championship or haven't won as many championships as someone else. Yeah. Bill Russell, one of the all time greats. I'm not gonna say he's the greatest player of all time because he has eleven rings. Yeah. But like that elevates him to almost this like legendary status. Yeah. That, you know, Charles Barkley, who hasn't won a ring before, right, doesn't have. Yeah. You know, it's just kinda like that that difference once you hit that peak and once you are kind of the highest caliber of 
at the highest caliber of the highest league in basketball. I don't know. I think there's just some sort of allure that comes to winning rings that, that kind of puts you on a shelf above anyone else. And I think that's what makes MJ so legendary is going 6-0 in the finals with two three-peats separated by him leaving the league and going to play baseball and messing around in the minor leagues and then coming back and winning it again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's the same kind of thing with Kobe. You know, Kobe had three had a three-peat. He got to play with some of the greatest players of all time. He won five rings. You know, it's that sort of, I don't know, just just the rings to me kind of take a little bit more precedence than being an all-time leader in something or, you know, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Because really the ultimate goal for every player is to, you know, win the championship. That's what the team's geared yeah. toward. Geared, geared, geared toward every season. And, you know, it's this is this is turning into like, you know, uh, a little bit of like, you know, a, a parody of sports talk radio. That yeah, doing exactly. The, the, this kind of talk. But, but I mean, do, so what do you think? Let's get back to the topic then. I mean, what do you what, where do you think this puts LeBron if he is able yeah. to defeat such a stacked team? And he's defeated the Warriors. Yeah. I mean, in my eyes, team finals, best finals I think I've ever seen. Yeah. I know we both love the 08 finals, but it was. Yeah. Probably like the crazy. We'll never see anything like that again. Honestly, I don't know if we ever will. A three-one comeback in the finals. No, that was incredible. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I, in my mind, just LeBron is cemented as number two, um, mm-hmm. which is like you know you hate to like. I know we talked about before, like you know when Kobe Bryant passed away, a lot of people kind of took a step back and said you know we should just be appreciating all these guys and stop the you know um, debate and stuff. But I just think uh-huh. he's the second best player of all time. Um, I think MJ is kind of untouchable um, for the foreseeable future. Um, just, you know, because like we talked about, um, just the, the titles. And even you look at guys like Charles Barkley or, you know, um, uh, Patrick Ewing, incredible, you know, all-time great players who were completely shut out of the finals because of Michael Jordan. Exactly. Um, yeah. I was going to say Stockton, too. You're talking yeah. about, like, all-time Carl guys. Malone. Yeah. You know, Stockton's going to go down as one of the all-time assist leaders. But what people remember him the most for is the finals. The guy that never was able to beat Michael Jordan. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's there's definitely something to be said. And you know, also, I mean, not to bring in Tom Brady, but that's a good example of someone who like just has that like winning culture. Yeah, winning exactly. Teams want to win. The guy like that yeah. is the most valuable player because, you know, he's the greatest player, best player, because, you know, he he brings a winning culture. So to answer your question, I I don't think LeBron can ever I mean, even if he ends up with eight championships, I'm still I still think that Jordan's run because I think Jordan could have won 10, I mean, if he kept playing and if he, you know, never had the break. Um, so, and there was no, none of that drama with Jerry Reinsdorf, which I know, like, The Last Dance touched on pretty heavily. Yeah. Um, he made it, made America hate this guy. He was passed away. He's, yeah. you know, it, this was so long ago. And yeah. The Last Dance just made everyone in America hate him. Yeah. Hate so his I just, guts. I, yeah, I just think LeBron is cemented as number two, which is not a knock on him. He was the best player of his era, you know? I mean, there's, that's all he could really do. And I just, I just think MJ, I mean, they didn't play each other. It's going to be so weird when he retires, honestly. Yeah. It's kind of, I was. I think I talked about this last episode. Tom Brady's getting up there. Yeah. It, it really hit me when Drew Brees retired. Yeah. Because I remember watching his Super Bowl run and, of course, them playing after Katrina as well. But it's just weird how, like, the, the legends we grew up idolizing are all getting old. Yeah. You know? But know. but let's let's deviate from typical sports talk radio and so we don't get in the, the stereotype conversation. <laughs> um, we're back. Gonzaga's up 67 to 45. They're taking care of business. It's now 69 to 45. Um, what would you have done to get rid of that, that boat in the Suez Canal? What would you What would you have done there? I saw someone who was like, there was definitely a I saw someone who was like, this guy, there was definitely a guy... Like in the emergency room, oh, yeah. yeah. 
that was like advocating to blow it up. And as time progressed, people started, he started winning over more and yeah. more people. Yeah. People thought he was crazy to begin with. And yeah. then over time, more and more people started agreeing with him. That was crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of uh, weirdly like, I wish the boat was still there. It was like a weirdly like <laughs> yeah. comforting thing. Like, I don't know. Very weird. But uh, I guess I, I, I'm not glad it's out. Who cares? You know, like. <laughs> whatever yeah it looks like to get a little betting update the line is now 21 and a half points i got in at 19 and a half so you know gonzaga is uh they're still up by 22 so the market is still saying now it's 22.5 looks like people are expecting gonzaga to kind of hold out on this um really not much movement in the second half by usc so i don't know kind of a bummer bummer game you know yeah that was going to be one of the closer ones who's your who's your pick for um, UCLA, Michigan. No analysis. Just give me a give me a name. Michigan. You want to you want to go on the same? Oh, I was going to count us down. Oh, okay. I was going to say Michigan. I was going to say Michigan okay. too. Yeah, but let's do it for a fact. Uh, three, two, one. Michigan. Michigan. Okay. Oh my God, we're on wow. the same page. Wow, <laughs> that was incredible. Yeah. All right. Well, we're hitting uh, our limit here at uh, our our allotted airtime here on WR Lexington. Don't want to. Uh, make anyone upset or go over our time, but thank you so much for tuning in to this week's show, Cole. Uh, we have another music segment. Uh, we did one last week, but there's not a lot going on in the world of music right now. I know Kanye is the greatest artist of all time. Yeah, um, that's not going to change. Yeah. So, so what do you want to what do you want to write out to? What are you listening to right now? Oh man, what am I listening to? Um, you know, I I've been listening to uh, the weekend did that re-release of like House of Balloons with the original incredible samples. album. That was one of my like favorite weekend eras. So yes. cool. And like he got he finally cleared all the original samples from when he first That's put awesome. it out. Yeah. So it's a ten year ten year anniversary. Yeah. Twenty eleven. Similar to, like Drake putting out like Care Package last year. Yes. Just like awesome stuff that old songs that he's got enough gravitas and money to like get the sample cleared. Exactly. So yeah, I've been liking some of the songs on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's fun. I mean, they're just a little bit different. Yeah, it's just cool to hear. Yeah, and fun to revisit an album that was awesome. So, what do you do? You'll do the morning. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. I think that's my favorite weekend song. I think that might Definitely. be one of his best songs. I not totally the agree. Best song. I'm right there with you. That was one, incredible. One of my favorites ever. I hear it. Hear it coming on right now. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, well, thank you all so much for tuning in. We will be back next week. I think one of our last shows of the semester. We're getting close to, to finals week already, which is yeah. kind of. Kind of crazy, but we'll we'll have a, a status update soon. But thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been Gotta Take This here on WLAR Lexington. You can find us on anchor.fm slash gotta take this. We're available wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Crawford Humphreys, he is Cole Heisner, and we will see you guys next week. Got the walls kicking like they six months pregnant. Drinking Alice with a cereal for breakfast. The girls calling cabs at dawn, quarter to seven. Sky's getting cold, we're flying from the north Rocking with our city like a sold-out show A house full of pros that specialize in the Make that money rain as they taking off their clothes Order plane tickets, Cali is the mission Visit every month like I'm split life living Let the world listen if I hate his card Slipping the money, stay tight Got my back like Pippin, fast life gripping, yeah we're still tipping. Cups paint a picture so vivid, fakes try to mimic, get girls timid, but behind closed doors they get pulled.